All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan PJ Tour season is winding down. It feels like it never stops, but it is winding down, and it is about to culminate at the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs. But more importantly, maybe the Ryder Cup. And to talk about that and more, let's bring in our next guest. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. He's Shane Ryder, Shane Ryan, a writer for Golf Digest and author of Ryder Cup, the cup they couldn't lose. Good morning, Shane. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I think I might change my name to yeah. Shane Ryder. I, I really, like brand, really brand myself. <laughs> New Twitter handle. It's there you go. It's pretty good. It is not bad. It flowed Shane off the tongue. Shane Ryder. Yeah, you know what I do. I'm it, a writer. It flowed off the tongue too good. So maybe that means it's a good thing. Uh, okay, so obviously BMW Championship this weekend. Big money, big names, 50 golfers. The, only the best, right? But it seems like the big thing on everyone's mind is the Ryder Cup. So is like that the most important thing, playing for the Ryder Cup and playing for Ryder Cup positioning uh, this weekend when looking at the BMW? Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it depends on your perspective. Uh, for me, I do tend to get a little bit more excited about the FedEx Cup playoff. But, yeah, I mean, look, the FedEx Cup playoff, don't get me wrong, they have their own, you know, bit of drama and intrigue and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I write about three um, Ryder Cup articles a week. I do a Ryder Cup podcast. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, you're asking the wrong guy if you want somebody here to come say the FedEx Cup playoffs are more important. Well, it's it's best then when you can blend the storylines, and I guess Lucas Glover uh, does that because he's the back-to-back champion uh, on the last tour tour events. Of course, he kicked off the FedEx Cup playoffs with a victory at the FedEx St. Jude. Uh, you know, he stated his interest, despite not uh, being a guy who hasn't played in a major this year, uh, of uh, being on that U.S. team I mean, is it all to play for for him this week? Has he done enough already? Like, where does Lucas Glover stand when it comes to the Ryder Cup? Because we know, you know, winning three times in a row is going to be tough. He might have another great finish. Uh, and it does seem like it matters how he plays the next couple events here. But Lucas Glover in the Ryder Cup, is that like top of mind for you right now? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great story because it's almost like you're running a lab experiment. <laughs> like, Imagine a guy that has absolutely no chance to make the Ryder Cup, right? He's 43. Like you said, he's been playing any majors. Uh, he's kind of been in golf's journeyman wilderness for a long time because he couldn't putt. And then it's like, what do you have to do to make someone like that brute force their way onto the Ryder Cup team? And, you know, two wins. I was at the Wyndham. He was really great there. That obviously was not enough. Uh, winning the at the FedEx St. Jude was huge. And so now, I mean, I, you know, I do my Joe Lenardi piece every week where I'm kind of prognosticating who's on the bubble, who's off. And I think he's definitely played himself into what I call the bad side of the bubble, right? I think he's like, in college basketball terms, first four out for sure. I still think he is such a long shot, no Ryder Cup experience, right? All this stuff. I still think he is, you know, I think he needs to win this week, which is crazy to say that somebody, you know, who is arguably, or maybe not arguably, the hottest golfer on the planet right now needs to win a third straight time. But I think he does because there's so many other people that are in the mix of the Americans. And I think there are right now 12 obvious choices. And I think he is, you know, probably 13th or 14th or even 15th at the moment. But if the guy wins a third straight time, what do you do, right? I mean, at a certain point, I mean, honestly, if he wins this week, he might he might get close to auto-qualifying. But even if he doesn't, at that point, I think you do have to say, well, what is the mission of the Ryder Cup? Are we supposed to be bringing the hottest golfers? Or, you know, is it legacy? Are we trying to win? Well, you know, what's the whole calculation there? So definitely interesting. And I'm, I'm watching him with, you know, yeah, a ton of curiosity this week. 
you called him the hottest golfer on the planet. Uh, did you mean the sweatiest as well in terms of hottest golfers? I meant I meant most attractive. Oh. Uh, is what I, <laughs> is what it I could go right all now. the ways, right? The 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 sweaty yeah, sweaty yeah, scene. No. <laughs> Yeah, look, as a fellow sweaty boy, I try not to sweat shame because if anybody ever saw me like play golf in hot weather, it would be just disgusting. I would, I would, Lucas Glover would be considered the hottest golfer on the planet at that point. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, it is, I think it was funny. I think Paige Fearnack or somebody, I saw a viral thing where it's like, this is why they should be allowed to wear shorts. Uh, and, uh, I can go along with that. I can go along with that. Uh, but yeah, good, good for him for sweating. How do you not sweat? It's Memphis in August, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as a fellow sweaty boy himself, like, I almost give him more credit because everyone's talking about it, and you could put that aside. Like, you know how self-conscious I would be if I was sweating through my pants trying to win uh, a golf tournament? I would not be able to focus on the task at hand. Uh, So I give him more credit for that. Uh, You know, just to finish up with Lucas Glover here, is there, like, a favorite anecdote to this story for you? Like, him not playing at a major is interesting. I mean, he changed the putter and everything's sort of flipped on its head. Like, what's the best part of the story for you? Yeah, I think the best part for me is just... I, it's it's so hard to explain what he's done because it's it just by changing one thing, which is, you know, the broomstick putter, which was really... I mean, he had the legitimate yips, right? Like, he would be shaking over the ball. He'd be nervous. And he spent 10 years fighting this. And I think nobody quite understood how good he was at every other aspect of the game until that final piece clicked in pace. So I, I compare it to like playing a Madden video game where, you know, you have a receiver, uh, you know, with all the attributes and it's like hands a hundred, like, you know, field sense, a hundred, everything's a hundred except their speed is 12. Right. And then all of a sudden you jack that receiver up to a hundred speed and he's the best receiver that's ever lived. You know? So uh, it, it's one of those things where his putting was at a 12 and then the minute it was up there, everything else kind of came into stark relief of what an insanely good ball striker this guy is, Keaton Green. Um, and yeah, and that was it. Look, like he picks that putting thing. He immediately had three top sixes. I mean, I'm talking immediately, like the first tournament out. Then he wins Wyndham. Now he wins the St. Jude. And it's kind of mind-blowing. Just This is, a, this is just such a hot streak right now. We're talking about guys on the bubble. Uh, where are you at with Justin Thomas? I feel like we brought him up um, continuously week after week about uh, maybe someone that's been disappointing, <laughs> to say it lightly, but um, still a guy that has quite the pedigree. Where are you at with Justin Thomas? Yeah, and that goes back to the thing we were talking about, the debate of, you know, is is choosing your Ryder Cup team about winning the Ryder Cup? And I, I think the obvious answer is yes, of course, it should be. And, you know, Justin Thomas between Ryder Cups and President's Cups is 16, 5, and 3 in his life. And that's, you know, that's a record that would stand up with anybody in history, European, American. It's fantastic. He's a great winner in match play golf. Great guy to partner with. You know, good, you know, I hate to say leader. I don't think, you know, Team USA needs like leaders on the course, but he's somebody who's really well liked. So he fits in all these ways. And so for me, if you were Zach Johnson, you know, you can't have a guy shooting 80s, right, on the Ryder Cup team. So there's a certain point at which you don't take him. But I think you just needed to see a little bit of form from him to feel like, you know, you have justification for doing that. And he was at the Wyndham trying to make the playoffs. And, you know, he had a great run at the end. He missed the playoffs by one spot. But he showed a lot of fire, and he played really well. He finished, like, you know, I think T6 or something in that tournament. So for me, that's enough. I think Justin Thomas is such a good player. And, you know, not only – like a key component of past teams, but he's going to be a key component of teams probably for the next decade. So I think I would take him for sure. And I think he is going to get taken. 
Uh, so just for the ignorant Shane, which may or may not include me, I mean, I was told Brooks Kepka was giving up a lot of things when he went to live, including participation at the Ryder Cup, but I'm seeing odds at minus 2,000 that he'll make the team. Uh, how, in which, like, how did he find his way into such a strong likelihood of being on this team, uh, given that, you know, he hasn't picked up much on the PGA Tour, or if anything at all. I mean, obviously, he won a major this year, uh, but how did he get himself into this position? So, yeah, so the big thing to note is that on the European side, they had to give up their European tour memberships, just like the Americans had to give up PGA tour memberships. But the big difference is that in Europe, the European tour controls the Ryder Cup. So if you give up that membership, you're done, right? In the U.S., it's the PGA of America, which understandably gets confusing, but that's different from the PGA tour. So point is, you do give up the chance to earn points on the PGA tour, but you don't give up the chance to learn, to earn eligibility. And so, the live guys still got to play in the majors, right? And Kepka not only won um, at Oak Hill, but he also finished second at the Masters. So he earned a ton of points from those two events and, you know, had the points from the year before. So it's put him in a position right now where he's fourth in qualifying. He was third. Now he's fourth. He actually might drop out of the top six automatic spots, but it gets to the point where if you're Zach Johnson, again, here's a guy who's won a major, almost won a second one at Augusta. It's almost even a distraction not to take him because he deserves to be on there just by form, you know, putting the live stuff aside. And if you don't take him, if he falls to number seventh, I think that's just kind of odd and, and, it, and it creates a narrative that you don't necessarily want around your team. So that's basically how Kepka's done it. And I think even if he's not top six, he's definitely going. Uh, so you like Kepka going, you like JT going, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, what is the hardest decision then, do you think, for Zach Johnson? What's it going to come down to when rounding out and putting the final golfer onto the team? Yeah, I think you look at like a certain group of five people where there are two spots available. And the two, I think the two on the inside right now are Cam Young and Ricky Fowler. I think they're the last two guys on the team. You know, be, before those guys, you've got like Jordan Spieth and everybody in the automatic qualifying, Xander Shoffley. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to Cam Young and Ricky Fowler as the last two in. Then you got guys like um, Lucas Glover now, uh, Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns, who I think probably has kind of fallen out. But yeah, guys like that that are sort of for me the next three out. Um, and you know, I just don't think right now I think Glover's the only one who can complicate it. You know, or I suppose put it this way, anybody could complicate it by going out and winning, right? If you win two weeks in a row, then you have a great argument. But I think Glover's the most complicating factor right now. But I still think Cam Young. And Ricky Fowler are the last two guys uh, on that team. So obviously we're focusing on uh, the United States here, but uh, the challenge will be uh, Europe. And Europe has been very, very dominant uh, in most recent Ryder Cups. Uh, How did they stack up this year? And and how have they been so dominant in the last uh, 10 Ryder Cups or so? Yeah, well, the U.S. is starting to get their their stuff together. Uh, You know, Europe always had a strategic advantage, and there was a period, you know, in the early 2000s when it became embarrassing, when they kept beating the Americans by nine points. But, you know, people like Davis Love, Jim Furyk, um, you know, Steve Stricker, they kind of got the U.S. back on the right footing, and they figured out the strategy finally after about, you know, 40 years of getting beat by the Europeans. And so the U.S. has done a great job in their last few home rider cups. But, as you said, the great test is they haven't won in Europe, for 30 years now. And so that's a huge challenge. Um, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for both teams this year, as weird as that is to say, because winning at winning on the road is one of the most impossible things in modern minor cups. It's very, very difficult to overcome what is always a huge, huge rabid crowd. But the difference this year is the U S you know, they have their system in place. It's a good system. They have really good players and Europe has a very strong top line guys like Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, John Robb, 
But then you get to down, you know, position seven and six, and you're talking about guys like, you know, Bob McIntyre, Ludwig Oberg, you know, I mean, just all these, all these guys, Adrian Morant, people that a normal American golf fan or a casual fan would never have heard of before, uh, guys who are not going to have a ton of experience. And that's where things get really tricky for Luke Donald because not only did he lose people to live, a ton of people, but also all those guys were already old, right? They, they didn't play well at Whistling Straits, guys like Westwood and, you know, Sergio and, and Poulter. Some of them did okay at Whistling Straits, but you basically have this old European generation aging out, and now it's a transition year, and I think that makes things pretty tough for them and pretty tough for Luke Donald to even figure out how to make this team. Is there a debutante you're looking forward to the most? Oh, that's a really good question <laughs> because none of them are none of them are guys where you're sort of like, oh wow, this guy like Victor Perez. Ooh, I can't wait to, <laughs> to see what Victor Perez. Does. <laughs> no, and then, but no, I mean they're all good golfers. I, I think that's a question you have to like look at afterward, right? I mean, a guy like Thomas Peters went into 2016, and you know people knew him, but nobody knew much about him. But he went four and one, and then he went, wow, Thomas Peters, that was exciting. But maybe there's a guy like that out there, you know, maybe. Yeah, people like Adrian Moronk, uh, you know, some of the European captains are saying this guy's really tough. Well, you know, wait till you see him. So I think I think maybe there's a European out there like that. They always seem to find new heroes somehow. So uh, ask me after the Ryder Cup, I guess, is my answer. <laughs> We're chatting with Shane Ryan, uh, writer at Golf Digest and author of Ryder Cup, the cup they couldn't lose. Um, okay, so this uh, this weekend gets teed off in about an hour and a bit. Um, a tough course uh, with BMW Championship coming up. We do our picks after we chat with you, so you can. Uh, that help was us. intentional. By you the way. can help us out a little bit. But what, what type of golfer <laughs> do you think fares well um, this weekend, and specifically also with maybe some that have a little bit more incentive, a little bit more to play for, and how much that makes an impact when you're making your predictions or your picks? Yeah, the incentive question is always so interesting because I think some guys rise to the occasion and some guys that's kind of added pressure they don't need. But I'm looking forward. You know, there's guys last week who I thought were going to play really well that didn't. One of them is Tony Finau, and I think he's kind of pretty well suited for this course. And another guy who's way on the outside of the bubble but could make things really complicated. So if you're rooting for chaos, uh, Tony Finau is a good pick. But I actually think Finau is well suited for this course. I mean, you know, it's it's always like cliche to say this, but it is a ball strikers course. I don't know if there's a course in the world that's not, but you just kind of measure it in increments. Right. So I think, I think the way Lucas Glover has been playing at some point, you think he's got to come down from the stratosphere, but as long as he's playing like this and he's kind of on this role, you know, Lucas Glover is never a bad pick. Um, you know, Rory's starting to play really well. Uh, I am curious to see John Rahm too. I mean, he's somebody who has sort of had a minor dip in form over the last couple of weeks. And I, I almost think he's due for a for a big tournament. So there's a few guys there. Uh, but this stuff is, you know, it's it's really, really tough, especially when you have a course that's not a really common PGA Tour course. Mm. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a little bit like throwing darts. Uh, I wish I could give you better intel, but I think uh, it's pretty wide open right now. Uh, no, we appreciate I wrote all that down. So uh, our next picks, uh, maybe some <laughs> of them will be influenced by yourself. Uh, Shane, we appreciate you coming on this morning. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. And, of course, the Ryder Cup upcoming. All right. Thank you. I'll have a great one. You as well. That's Shane Ryan, as we said, writer at Golf Digest and author of the Ryder Cup, the cup they couldn't lose. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Are you a Ryder Cup guy? Um, yes and no. I'm not as much as a Ryder Cup guy as Shane Ryan, who lives for the no, Ryder Cup. he wrote Cup a book about and it. writes a book about it. I'm, I haven't historically been, but I've, I'm trying to, like, make the conscious effort. It comes at a bad yeah. time, mm. generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, par- sometimes it's it's played in Europe this year. It's going to be in Rome. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're kind of getting up early for it. But also the NFL season's That's underway. Right. It's the end of September. It is a busy, busy time in the sports calendar. Sometimes it doesn't get my interest, but I am looking forward to it. And I'll answer my own question. Mm. Debutante I'm looking forward to. Max Homa at the Ryder Cup is going to be fun yeah, for me. Yeah, that's fun. He's always a good watch. JT should not make it. I'm, no, I'm so I, anti-JT. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like no legacy picks allowed. It's, uh, yeah. It should no be. Legacy. It should be Merrick. Win. And that's Put why there's Lucas a point Glover system. In there. In. Lucas Glover should be in it. He's the hottest. Like, why would you? And not just pants. <laughs> He's the hottest guy out there. Mm-hmm. He should be on the team. So this was making headlines on Twitter. Um, the American Ryder Cup team, of course, uh, revealed their uniforms they're Ralph Lauren, duh, uh, very American, um, and uh, <laughs> go on. They're very uh, interesting. There is a, well, I mean, is like, it like Olympic vibe where it's well, just like, eh. they're very Ivy League Nantucket, very Dartmouth, Dartmouth, Dartmouth um, which is fine, but it's it's a bit, I don't know. It, doesn't do it for you. I sent you a DM. You're not be running to the, running yeah, to the merch I sent you a DM, and there's, like, this cricket sweater, like a knit sweater with a big emblem on the front, and it's got, like, uh, big cable knitting and striping, and it's just like, come on. Like, it's it looks a bit it looks a bit cheesy. Yeah. It looks a bit cheesy. It, it looks like, you know, like in, like, wedding crashers where there's, yes. like, a brother-in-law who's annoying. Yeah, who's That's an annoying wh- he's guy wearing, that lives, He's wearing that. Who lives on a nice estate yes. and plays cricket yes. and um, bocce ball and uh, cricket or croquet? Croquet. I mean, you play cricket too. I guess. Um, but croquet, bocce ball, um, polo. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just he's yeah. very Rich life guy. of luxury. Rich brother in law guy. But maybe that's the vibe they're going for. Maybe, I don't know. Lucas Glover might look maybe good in that. Maybe they need to big brother Europe if they're going to win right. the Ryder Cup. That's right. Um, so we should do our picks for. This weekend, the BMW Classic. Um, just to update on our Fanex Cup standings. Must we? Yes, we must. Uh, I, I forced Gunner into picks last week. As how'd they go? As an attempt. Anyone close or no? I think Emiliano Grillo was decent, but I once I knew I had no chance. I lost uh, interest. So I'm up fifteen thousand two hundred and fifty to your two thousand dollars. So I need to hit. I need to hit a one thirty to one is essentially what needs to happen here. So it's there, there's not going to be much strategy for me. You can pick whoever you like here when we do our BMW picks. But I got to look at the very bottom of the board. I got to look at you know. You can go first. Number forty eight, forty nine, and fifty. If I'm going to get anywhere close to you. Well, you don't have to like swing for the fences. Just make it respectable. I do. No, I, this is a competition. Which we don't have a prize for you yet. Can, so. You can do, and that's the problem here. We have a prize for tweet tweet. We don't have a prize yeah. for this. Um, you are dominating this competition, though. It can't so, be left without a prize. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. Um, okay, so I'll let you go first. And, and you know what? My strategy, which is how I got ahead so much, was doing a lot of research and actually caring about it. Now well, I'm I, mailing I'll, it in. I'm not, oh, I'm I not, thought that was a shot at me. No, no, I'm just mailing. I literally did no research for these picks um, because I just want you to have an opportunity to win, and I've just been running away with it. So I'm just going to go with my gut. Okay, you go first. I mean, you could just have the top five. I guess I should just take the f- top five, right? No, just ha- pick who you want. Yeah, you're not in a position to just be lazy about it. Just no. go go on gut. Max Homa. Oh, there you go. 27 to 1. Does that influence you? Yeah, and 27 is my <laughs> number. Okay, Tom Hoagie, 200 to 1 is my number one pick. 50th, longest odds to win the PMW. That's embarrassing. Good old Tom Hoagie, 200 to 1. 200 to 1. Um. Sorry, I'm just writing them down. Okay, um, I'll go with Ma- uh, Roy McIlroy. 
plus 750. That's a reasonable pick. Uh, Patrick Rogers has shown a little flash, 150 to 1. Uh, give me Victor Hovland plus uh, 1700 or, yeah, Hovland, yeah. I've recently seen Lee Hodges absolutely dominate a golf tournament. These so so Lee good. Hodges, 125 to 1. You're so good. Um, give me John Rahm plus 900. That's a good pick. Uh, Kurt Kitayama won on tour this year. Kurt Kitayama, 150 to 1. I really hit, I hope you hit one of these. I'm, run, um, I'm running out of options here to take the lead. Lucas Glover. That's a good pick. What is he at? Plus 5,000. He would have been in the 175 to 1 range three weeks ago. Yep. Adam Shank, 125 to 1. Shank. I like Shank. I've picked Shank before. Yeah, you have. You did a little research. And um, I'm using that research to inform no this opinion. No problem. Well, I might as well take Scotty Shuffler, too. All right. Why not? Extend that lead. Although it's been a little bit of a battle for Scotty. Yeah, it has been. So maybe this is time. Are we doing a Canadian? Uh, you can certainly do a Canadian. Nick Justin. Taylor, 175 to 1. Perfect. Uh, let me give me a Canadian. Also here. a winner on tour this year. Give me Adam Hadwin. Where's he at? Uh, 90 to 1. I'm seeing 100 to 1. Okay, you can have that. Hadwin, 100 to 1. Okay. So I've got Homa, Rory, Hovland, Rom, Glover, Scheffler, and Hadwin. I've got the bottom of the board minus <laughs> Seamus Power because I don't like Seamus Power. Yeah, I don't really either. For some what reason, what is it about Seamus Power? I don't know. I just don't really. Maybe it's the name Seamus. No offense. Well, he is. Seamus is important because we're transitioning right. here to Edge, and mm-hmm. Edge is taking on Seamus at SmackDown for his 25th anniversary. So we are anti Seamus right now, both in wrestling and in golf. Good luck this weekend at the BMW Alish. Thank you very much. Um, I have really picked just the top six because at this point, it doesn't really matter. Um, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you are able to secure one of your long shots to make Thank this you. more competitive. Okay, last uh, last block of the day. Edge joins us, Hall of Famer. Uh, he's celebrating his 25th anniversary with WWE this Friday. Um, he'll be against Sheamus, as we mentioned. Uh, first time they've ever gone one-on-one in their WWE careers. It's some speculation that this could be uh, maybe the end of Are you going to ask him that? I'm afraid to. I'm afraid, I'm to, afraid to ask to him that. Him. Yeah. But I mean, I could say it like that. So does this match like mean anything specific? Yeah, yeah. Your, be in, very vague. In your journey of life. Uh, but that's Friday. Uh, WWE SmackDown. It's here at Scotiabank Arena. So if you're around, take a look. Um, we'll do a baby wake and rake afterwards. So send those picks in 595-90. All that's next on the Fan Morning Show. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big night tomorrow. WWE SmackDown Friday. Scotiabank Arena right here in the city. Celebrating Edge's 25th anniversary. We have him on the line. Adam Edge Copeland, WWE Hall of Famer and Probably wearing, hopefully, that new Leafs collab T-shirt. How's it going this morning, Edge? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Are yeah, you wearing I, it? <laughs> uh, kind of have 
I haven't taken it off. <laughs> it's probably a stuck to your skin at this yeah, point. I just, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It is pretty great. If everyone has a chance to take a look um, on your shirt, second straight year you've collaborated with the Leafs. Well, let's start with that. Um, a pretty special thing for you to be able to do. Uh, you were at a, a handful of Maple Leafs games, um, especially down uh, in Tampa this spring. Um, your history with this team and how cool it is to be able to, to be involved in the fashion that you are. Uh, This is one of those things, one of those perks, I guess, that you would never imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, when I I first decided I wanted to be a wrestler and all of these things, you don't think 25 years into your career that you're going to be able to collaborate with the, the team that you watched as a kid. And some of my first, very first memories are watching the Leafs with my family, with my grandpa, with all of my uncles down on the shag carpet in the basement. And... You know, watching Lanny McDonald and Sittler and, you know, those, and Paul Mateer. So, to, to, and throughout the Gilmore years, through all of the years, but just to, to be involved with that kind of history at all is, is really, really cool. It's really, really fun. And the, the Leafs are, uh, and I think a lot of listeners will understand, they're, they're kind of, they become more than a team. And I think that's why Toronto and I, I think that's why Maple Leafs fan base is so passionate because they're they're a touchstone for a lot of people and, and that's really what they are for me you know um i watched every game last year i i sat down if i didn't watch it live i didn't hop on social media i waited until i could sit and actually watch the game and um just because i like to to see the entire game and see who's starting to click or see who's you know coming into their own and things like that i, I just i love hockey I absolutely adore the Leafs. So for me, from a kid from Orangeville, this is it still kind of blows my mind. You are actually from Alton, are you not? We were there yesterday golfing TPC uh, Osprey Valley, and we were in your your hamlet. Yeah, well, I'm actually Orangeville. Oh, but, uh, do you guys fight uh, over that? Cause okay. The, they Google it. It's, it's, you can see it two different ways. I'll have to talk to Wikipedia because it, you're kind of in both. I have to make an edit. You got a leg in each one. <laughs> I do. Well, Wikipedia knows better than me. I That's guess. true. Yeah, yeah. That, that may be true. They know all. They. You need to. Yeah. You need to go check the birth certificate. Wikipedia is never wrong, right? But it's a beautiful spot. We were there yesterday. We were out in your hood. So, uh, you know, we love Hamlets on this show. So we had to make sure we we mentioned it. No, Alton's awesome. Yeah, and I do go stay there whenever I come up a lot of the time. But <laughs> uh, there you go. Okay, so uh, Kyle Dubas. Uh, you know, we thought like this is the second straight year of collaborating with the Maple Leafs with the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. We thought it might hinge on Dubas's involvement because Dubas is such <laughs> a big wrestling guy. Uh, and clearly, you know, I'm glad to see that it's it's uh, the tradition carries on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing Dubas leave or tracking that storyline, you don't miss a game. I guarantee you don't miss a headline like Kyle Dubas going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. What were your thoughts on, on that move and everything that went down with Kyle? Well, I, you know what? I'm first of all, I'm happy for him because it looks like he got the, uh, what he wanted in Pittsburgh, which is what I think he wanted in Toronto. And I don't think he was going to get. Um, so in that regard, I'm really happy for him. And you can already see what he's doing. You know, uh, he makes exciting teams. And he was, he, he built an exciting team in Toronto. Um, I, I, I actually wished he were still here, but all of that being said, um, you know, I, I can't wait to see what the Leafs do. You know, it's going to be a different team. It's going to look entirely different. Um, 
and, and, and that's exciting. It's also kind of like, oh, man, I really enjoyed our style of play. Mm. However, comes to the playoffs, it's a different style of play, as we witnessed. So, um, you know, whatever gets the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, it's funny that you mentioned different type of, of, of style of play because uh, the word that was buzzing around um, after the trade deadline, sorry, after free agency was that they added some snot to this lineup. I feel like you would respect yeah. somebody adding snot um, to any like any type of uh, team. But is that something that, you know, as a wrestler yourself, you know, you, you like a little physicality, you like a little snot on your lineup. Yeah, I kind of like that term. I always called it sandpaper, <laughs> mm. you know, gritty. You know, it's 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 that it's that guy who's going to get down on the corners and you know have the defenseman looking over his shoulder as as he's coming in to get that puck. And you need guys like that. You really do. And um, <laughs> you got a guy like Ryan Reeves. Uh, that's going to happen, you know. And I, I think that is something that the Leafs tried to shore up going into the playoffs, but. It's also hard to gel uh, that quickly, I think. And um, and they did to a degree because they're all pros and they're all obviously great. But um, I think by making some moves in the offseason, now you have an entire season. And the points might not be there like they have been. And the goal scoring might not be there like they have been. But if you're trying to build a, a playoff winning team, I, I think it is different. Um, you know, even Boston last year as high flying as they were, I feel like they gassed out come playoffs and, um, sometimes you, you just gotta have an ugly team. Like, like you said, with some snot and, and they got that, don't get me wrong, but it just, it felt like they gassed out and, and hopefully Toronto will have an entire year, an entire season now to really kind of, you know, pull it together and fill whatever holes that they're missing. Is there a wrestling equivalent to snot? Yeah, sandpaper, sandpaper, grit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ju- just that, that, you know, you just, you want to throw some sandpaper elbows in there and just kind of, you, you know, grind it on somebody's, you know, right under their eyes. That kind of feel. Oof. Yeah, that's uh, scary stuff. Um, okay, so let's get back to your big weekend here um, in Toronto, of course. Friday night, WWE Snackdown. They're celebrating your 25th anniversary. Um, all of that and the fact that it's Toronto and it's important and Canada means so much to you. And it was you know, something you mentioned at one point that you'd love to have one more match in your hometown adjacent before retiring. Just the excitement level and what this is going to mean to you tomorrow night. And the specific matchup as well, the first time going head-to-head with Sheamus in your WWE career is on one-on-one. So all of this, where is your point of uh, the biggest point of excitement um, when you look ahead at tomorrow night? You know, it's it's all the cliches. It really is, and and I, I've I've had so many you know what would seem storybook cliches happen to me over the years, and uh, yeah, I just I, I look at it, and and twenty five years with WWE, like that's uh, that's about four lifetimes because <laughs> 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 wrestling life is a dog years, and. Um, Man, I, I just look back to the beginning, and it, it all just kind of unfolds in your brain. So to be here, to have it commemorated in Toronto, obviously, is um, it's just insanely special to me, you know, because Toronto's where it all started. You know, I, I trained down on Jameson Avenue at Sully's Gym and knocked around Toronto while I was trying to, you know, cut my teeth and, and, and get experience and try to do this thing. Um, 
it, it all is just really surreal at times. Uh, my girls are flying up with me. Mm. My wife's going to be there. My college friends, my high school friends, my public school friends. My wow. it, it's, it, I, I really want it to be a celebration. And the fact that I get to work with Shamo, um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's been with the company about 15 years, and, and we've never had that one-on-one match. We're very close, very tight. He is um, – everything I've, I said on our show on Friday is true – he was the catalyst for, for me getting this career back and getting this last chapter back and getting it to, to see it out on my terms. He, he's the reason I got it back. Um, so to, to share it with him as well is, uh, it's, it's just really cool. I don't know how else to say it. You know, I'm just so ecstatic and, um, but I'm also going to be relieved when I get back to the locker room and can just take a deep breath. Uh, if we look forward to my next question, I mean, Friday might be the answer and Friday night versus Seamus, but you mentioned 25 years, four lifetimes uh, being the equivalent. Do you have a most rewarding moment, match, result? The return, obviously, is probably at the forefront there. But when you do reflect, when you think about those 25 years, what stands out as the most rewarding? I mean, maybe because it's so recent, but, but the return at the Royal Rumble. You know, it, it's going to top everything, and I think that's just always going to be the case because it just it wasn't supposed to happen. Um, you know, the, the the surgeons and and you know the ones who medically disqualified me are still kind of dumbfounded how it is happening. Um, so I, I think just to 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 conquer that challenge, honestly, for me personally, that makes it the top of the list because if you watch that back when I come to the ring, that's Adam Copeland. That's unvarnished, no filter. You're seeing everything go across this guy's face that started watching this at 10 years old and dreamed of doing it and drew an art classes, his gear that he was going to wear to the ring and, and, you know, who would gap out and start imagining ideas for matches against certain wrestlers. And the teacher would call on him and be like, Oh, Oh, uh, Ah, sorry, I was just thinking about match versus Owen Hart. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm that kid. So uh, that moment to get all of that back and and kind of grasp it, you can see it all in my eyes, and and that will always be the most special thing for me. I think. We're talking to Adam Edge Copeland, of course, WWE Hall of Famer in town uh, for Friday's night, Friday night's WWE SmackDown, your 25th anniversary. As you mentioned, a very special night, a lot of anticipation coming into it. And then when you're done, it's going to be nice to just have a, a breath and have a have a moment to soak it all in. Um, but I, of course, I have to ask you, what's next after that? Have you thought about what's next? Is this maybe a really nice moment to not think about what you would do next? Uh, but there's obviously speculation and we, we got to ask you if you thought any further after your fight uh, against Sheamus. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I can't say I haven't thought about it. I have for sure. Um, but I, I realized I haven't come to any conclusions and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn honestly, because I, I don't want to do this to the point where I don't feel like I'm able to, to have the output uh, that I want you know, that, that I could, because only I know how I feel when I'm deep into a match and go, Oof, man, okay. Didn't do enough cardio or <laughs> man, I did all that cardio and I'm still feeling this way. Um, so I, I, that's why I really want to collect myself after this thing, take a, 
just a big old deep breath and just decide what that is. Um, you know, my contract's up at the end of September. This is my last contracted, you know, match. So I, I have a lot of decisions to make, but I, I can't do it now. I think I almost got to see how Friday goes in a weird way. And I know that's not a clear answer, but I don't have it yet. <laughs> no, it, it totally understandable. And maybe a big victory will help let it all settle in. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Enjoy this weekend. Let it soak in. Um, it'll be uh, for sure a big, uh, a big applause, a big fanfare for you when you return home for your 25th anniversary uh, tomorrow night. We're looking forward to it. And hopefully we chat with you a little Leafs down the road. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks <laughs> so much. That. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, that's Adam Edge Copeland, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Friday night, you can catch WWE SmackDown 8 p.m. on Sportsnet 360's 25th anniversary going head-to-head against Sheamus. And, uh, you know, Edge has won the most championships in WWE history. 31, holding the World Heavyweight Championship record seven times and WWE Championship four times as well. So this is, as he mentioned, doesn't have a contract. After this, doesn't have a fight. After this, it's his hometown one. It's his 25th anniversary. I mean, if you're writing storybook endings, you basically got the perfect one. So we'll see how it all goes. Yeah, not not completely tipping his hand. It might add up towards that. But uh, if that interests you and you really, really want to see Edge perform at least one more time, mm-hmm. you only got one more guaranteed opportunity. So you probably shouldn't hesitate. I think that's a good way to put it. I think he left the door slightly ajar. So we'll see. There you go. I don't. I, a little ajar. A little ajar. You can uh, get your hands on that shirt. That shirt is pretty sweet. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, it's a designed edge, a Toronto Maple Leafs, blue and white t-shirt. It's a bit scary, but Leafs. It's scary. Like I'm trying to, I don't know. It's got... The best way yeah, I can explain it. it's a little different it. than the Bieber gear. Yes, the that's Bieber it. The Bieber collab is The Bieber little... is more for, you know... The, the kiddos, in a sense, this is this has got a little grit to it. It's got a little snot and sandpaper, grit. as he said, a little sandpaper, a little grit. It's a cool shirt, though. So check it out. Um, big night tomorrow night. There you go. That was great of him to come join us. So we had a good day today. Great guests, just pff, dialed. Daniel, he doesn't quit. Somebody texted in saying that Edge sounds like Kipper. I did feel that as well. Really? Yeah. Is there a Kipper equivalent for? I guess not. It doesn't. Edge. It, does, I mean, it does work. I no, guess. That's good. So that's good. And it's we also not had, Kipper. Kipper's also one had, of a kind, though. We had some Orangeville people trying to claim him and some Alton people trying to claim him. Oh, there's a little fight in the text line? Yeah, yeah. He's got like both. I, just, I mean, he made know, it pretty clear. Yeah, no, he's it's, he's like, I'm Orangeville. Don't ever bring that up again. But, it's, you know, there you go. what people want. Um, okay, so we got uh, Wake and Rake to do, and we also have no Jays to preview as well because they're off. They got a little trip over to Cincinnati, which is going to be a fun series. Uh, they start that tomorrow, 6.40 p.m. Uh, it will be a big offensive explosion for one team, maybe. But hopefully the Blue Jays can catch up and maybe we see Bo Bichette back in the lineup for tomorrow. But for now, let's do a wake and rake uh, to wrap up our show. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. We uh, will have to go off the Blue Jays for a moment. Last night wasn't a, a good one for us. We had them to win. The under and Kevin Gosman strikeout. So if you no, don't win be, one, you might as well yeah, lose all three. We've been playing those unders for too long. I mean, I think it might date back to three weeks ago. We started jumping mm-hmm. on uh, unders for the Toronto Blue Jays. And finally, 
one went over, but we got to go elsewhere regardless. Uh, are you leaning in any direction? Um, not really. I can uh, lead the dance if you want. Okay, go you ahead. Know, you know where I'm at right now. I kind of got the Mariners on my mind, yes. so I'm trying to pay a little bit more attention. And if I'm paying a little bit more attention to that, maybe that can result in actually, you know, having non-losing legs uh, <laughs> of the wake and rake. So I'm going to go back to the Mariners game. I'm. They play early today. I guess they're wrapping up a series with the Kansas City Royals. George Kirby's on the mound. They're huge favorites. However, we've known that, you know, they're really strong starting pitching, not so hot in the bullpen. What I really, really want and what's not available to me right now is the five-inning line. So the five-inning line is like my official advice. George Kirby's in the Cy Young conversation. Okay, perfect. So what what do you want? I want to play just the Mariners, five innings. Mariners to win after five innings. Yeah. I can do that for you. Okay. Do you have a number for it? Lead after five innings, three-way. Mariners minus 143. Okay, so three-way, so you get yourself in a tie situation there and you can potentially lose. Uh, I was expecting it to be about minus minus 140 without that, but either way, I'm going to play it. I like George Kirby to shut down what is one of the, you know, Kansas City Royals read-through season, of course, uh, and where their problems have been late game. And I think the Mm -hmm. Mariners are going to uh, obviously have their best foot forward. They're in a postseason race. They've got their guy on the bump. I like them to get off to a good start. And hopefully for the Blue Jays' sake, it all falls apart again. For them, my backup was just them on the run line, which is a little bit better, of course, minus 125. Uh, But I'll go with the first five. And if you can't play that, the run line would be my backup. Okay, I wanted to do over in the Mets and Cardinals um, because I was looking at the probable pitchers there and uh, it fared well. And then I looked and it's... Ten and a half. Clearly, I was on the right pace there. Um, So I could still do that. Or I was thinking under in Brewers and Dodgers. Um, That's a tight one. It's uh, Corbin Burns and Lance Lynn. But Lance Lynn's got a little bit of a high ERA. So I'm going to solicit your advice. Do you want an over or an under? I want, well, it depends on the game. But those were the two games. Either over in Mets and Cardinals or under in Brewers and Dodgers. Let's cheer for runs. Okay. We've been over, playing too many unders lately. Over 10 and a half in Mets and Cardinals. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Um, we got a couple texts in, then we'll go through them. Um, Brandon from Keswick, Eagles, minus three and a half. Oh, we're getting ourselves some uh, preseason action here. We should be looking at that more often because we were doing baseball a bit. I, hasn't I, been good. I, uh, I actually uh, hit a preseason pick in a wake and rake to close last oh. week because we were going through the quarterbacks a little bit. We went through Houston. And Houston's worst quarterback that was going to play mm-hmm. is Case Keenum, who's played a lot of regular season NFL games. So that's the key. If you just like track who's going to be playing, how deep their quarterback, but that's a that's a bit of yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of work for a four minute segment I, at the end I, of the show. I don't know, uh, like the Eagles uh, beyond Jalen. I don't even know who's in uh, you know in the quarterback depth chart for them <laughs> beyond Jalen Hurts. I don't know if we should expect a lot of Jalen Hurts. But the Eagles are the Eagles. So oh, that's an interesting one. That seems so that, that's an option. That would seem a little uneducated to pick okay. that on our. So we got Corey from Port Hope who texts in every day and we love him for his support. Uh, looking to rebound today for the Wake and Rake. I like the Cleveland Guardians money line. Okay. Uh, morning, Yelish and Justin. Tough loss yesterday, but no worries. We'll bounce back. Today, I'm going Spieth over, over Sanjay M in the head to head matchup. That's Courier Chris. Mm. Um, morning, Eric, Biggie, and Erlington. I like the Mariners minus one and a half against Kansas City and the okay, Nationals plus one and a half against Boston. Okay. K Man and Kitchener says Lance Lynn over K's. Lance Lynn over K's. See, that, was, that, was, that had to go with my Dodgers Brewers pick of the under. So that could kind of work. Then I guess we could touch on both your picks. And then Brandon from Keswick, I just read. And then Paul DeYoung over 
Strikeouts, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Is that an option? <laughs> that should be. Uh, maybe we'll look tomorrow when they're back in action. So we could go with the Lance Lynn over Kays. He's got 166 strikeouts this season. Um, and that kind of went with my under vibe. Uh, we could do Cleveland Guardians, Mighty Line, or head-to-head -head in um, golf, which is uh, just starting now, though, so people might not get it in yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I think you had a good thought there, Corbin Burns, Lance Lynn. I mean, Lance Lynn's had some had some brutal numbers mm -hmm. uh, with the White Sox, but when you play for the Dodgers, it just seems like that's like the remedy for all things. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the fact that you had some simpatico oh, work in there, on me. I think that works. Okay, Lance Lynn over six and a half Ks. That's K-Man and Kitchener. Uh, let's put that together for our parlay. And, oh, it's a profitable. Oh, no. Uh, that's because I pressed too many buttons. Okay, Mariners lead after five innings mm -hmm. against the K Kansas City Royals. Uh, Hoover, 10 and a half, and the Mets at Cardinals. That is so high. I'm getting nervous about it. Don't Whatever. worry about it. Whatever. Live a little. Lance Lynn, over six and a half Ks. That together plus 513. That is uh, an interesting parlay put together it on a down day in sports. It's pretty strange. Uh, but Want proof that Lucas Glover's... Um, reality has changed in a big, big way. Yeah, I was looking to bet him today. Like, can we, can we go Lucas Glover? Can we play him in a head-to-head matchup, eighteen holes? You can. I wanted to put in the parlay, but guess who he's matched up against? And it's different from book to book, but the book, uh, two books I, I've looked at, he's matched up against Rory McIlroy. Oh my god! Like Lucas Glover's now in the Rory McIlroy tier of head-to-heads. He is a big dog. Rory McIlroy to beat him today is minus one sixty-three, but I'm not betting that. Lucas Glover. Come hottest on. man temperature like, wise and if we go <laughs> if we go back two months wise. ago lucas glover is probably matched up with a guy on my team for the bnw lee hodges lee oh, hodges versus go. lucas glover maybe patrick rogers if you're lucky but the reality is that that's the that is proof right there that he should be at the Ryder cup he's in a head-to-head -head matchup right now with rory he should be in rome remember when we were advocating for william nylander to get to the all-star game it was justice for willie we need to have something for lucas glover I love gonna, for glove. I w love for glove is is very love or love very good. For glove. No love, love without the glove. That could be taken I, in a different direction. I don't direction. think we should. Yeah, no, that could be taken in a different direction. Love for glove. Um, quickly before. We <laughs> I mean, it was there. It's been, it, it's it, been quite the day. It was right there. Uh, Lucas Glover. We got to get, I was going to ask Shane Ryan if, if you ran a Twitter poll, would it be JT or Lucas Glover? Who would people want? It's going to be Lucas Glover. He's I think, pe I think right people now. would go Lucas Glover at this point. You could always tweet it out. I don't think it'll get the same uh, impact as Shane Ryan. Tweet Shane Ryder. Bit more of a golf audience. Bit more. Um, all right. Well, no Blue Jays in action tonight. They're off uh, second off day in a span of four days. So rest and rehabilitate. Hopefully we see Bo Bichette and others in the lineup tomorrow. And a reminder, tomorrow night is an Apple TV broadcast. So you can catch it live, though, on Sportsnet 590 Fan. Uh, gets Cincinnati Reds a three-game series. We'll be back tomorrow to tee all of that up. Have a wonderful baby Friday. We'll chat tomorrow.